You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. All right, good morning, sports fans. Mike Gandolfo here in the 1450, the Sports Buzz studio. I'm here with Haven Harrington. Haven, what's going on? Just enjoying the day, man. Enjoying the day. All right, and then join us for a second week in a row, Mr. Aaron Lieber. Hello, hello. And we're, uh, we got a lot to talk about. This is not your typical Sunday where, or Saturday in, uh, in the summer where there's nothing to talk about, but we're going to be talking about Chilean porn stars, and we're going to be talking about offensive team <laughs> yeah. names, and uh, stealing people's playbooks, and uh, the, the Breeders' Cup coming back to Kentucky, but going to the small track. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff for us to, to kind of to hit on, but we also got a lot of basketball talk, which I'm excited about because we had the NBA draft this week. It's not looking too good for Russ Smith right now. Mm-mm. And uh, you know what? It, it's kind of funny because he is uh, – everyone's talked about how great his workouts have been and how uh, impressive he's been at all these things. And But yet it seems like every single draft board's got him dropping out of not even getting picked. But in some ways it's almost better not to get picked than it is to get picked in the second round. No, I, I agree because you, as a free agent, you have the chance to kind of pick and choose wherever you want to go. I mean, he's going to get offers. I mean, oh, yeah. I, I think he's on a roster. He's on a roster, but, you know, what, what killed him is, is his height. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah, I mean. Well, it, his height would work if he could really play the point guard. Right. And he just really cannot. He's not yet right. able to play the point well, guard. Well, he's not your prototypical point guard, and he showed this year that he can improve. But is that just an aberration? Is that just him playing calm basketball because he's going to have to sit? Yeah, I just – I don't know if it's – you know, he's, it's there's one thing that says, hey, I can play point guard, but can you play point guard at the most elite level there is? Right. You know, um, I, that's a little bit more of a risk to take. So, I don't know, not looking too good for Russ. Um, I'm, I'm sure the guy's going to be able to be successful no matter what he does, whether he makes the NBA, doesn't make the NBA, decides to play overseas, just goes into business. He's gonna he's gonna do well, so I'm not too worried about him. So uh, the other thing that's kind of funny is looks like we might have a new number one pick now that Joel Embiid, <laughs> and this is actually like to me it's like <clears throat> fortunate for the Cavs because I didn't like Joel Embiid as the number one pick. I hated before it. his foot before he broke his foot. I agree. I mean, why do you take how? What have we been doing here the last six weeks talking about how the NBA, the big man in the NBA, is not nearly as effective. Has, has disappeared. Has disappeared. So you got two guys who could be all-world perimeter players with Jabari Parker and Andrew Wiggins, and you're going to take the big guy that doesn't even really factor into the NBA play anymore? Who's got an injured back to begin with? Well, it doesn't make any sense, but then the Cavaliers' picks, Don't roster moves sense. of the last few years haven't made any sense whatsoever either. So, it, But maybe I, there's I an use- opening. Maybe there's just a small opening for that they may be able to get King James back. No, see that's an app. That's that's like a that's like totally just hoping that something like that happens. And I, but if they take if they take Wiggins, then it, that closes the door. James ain't coming back. That's true. So it, to your point, maybe in the back that's of their what mind, that's what, exactly right. I, I, that's the same theory that Luol Deng was going to be the missing piece. <laughs> they should go with, I mean, I, and I actually think they should go the other way. I think they should go with Jabari Parker. Because for that very reason, as I could see playing Jabari Parker and LeBron James together. If they take Jabari Parker, though, he's more of a small forward, can play a power forward position because of his height. height. But he's not 
He's not mobile. His lateral quickness isn't enough to stay up with a small forward and guard them. No, but he'd be a matchup problem for a power forward. He would, but he's not as big as some of these power forwards they might be able to. But the thing is, they have 19 power forwards on their roster. That's true, too. So they have to clear some of that. If I was a Cavaliers, I would get rid of – I mean, I'd, I I would blow the whole thing up and I would trade um, Irving, get rid of him, because he is not wanting to stay there Well, yeah, it doesn't and, look like he's going to. And if he does stay there, it's just for the money. Just to sign the max contract. I, I would get rid of him. I would move down to three maybe with Philly. Let Philly move up and get Wiggins who they want. And then I think they were talking about uh, who, who was Philly? Thaddeus Young they're going to give up. Oh, yeah. I'm not a huge fan of him. That just That's another power forward. but That you don't need. That you don't need. But you could clear out some of that roster space of those power forwards, maybe move Thaddeus. Or Earl Clark, I don't even know if he's even still in their plans. Um, y- you know, what was last year's number one pick? Um, uh, Anthony Bennett. Bennett. You know, your, by the way, it was called on this radio show. I don't know if you all realize that, but we had the guy, his AAU coach, come on in May, and we were talking about Andrew Wiggins getting beat in the first Canadian number one draft, uh, draft pick overall. He's like, don't sleep on Anthony Bennett. Anthony Bennett's going to yeah. Get picked, and then of course there it goes. Anthony Bennett. Well, the pick. so you get Thaddeus Young, you do something with that, but then I would move down to three and take Dante Exum, Exum or Exum, whatever the heck is Dante name Exum is. from Exum. Uh, Australia. Absolutely. I mean, he's he, you know, he's a six five, six six point guard that it's extremely skilled, extremely skilled, knows how to play the point. Right. He's got a six ten wingspan. So all the things that we love out of Rondo, he's a bigger version Rondo. of Rondo. That's, uh, a, that's a fair argument. And then that's what I would do because if you're trying to get LBJ yeah. to come back, he needs the point guard. Yeah, he needs a point guard more than anything else. He needs a point. We saw in the, in the NBA Finals what happens when it's just him, Dwayne Wade can't go, and he has nobody else around right. him for help. Well, and he doesn't need a point guard that's really good and needs a ball like Irving. He needs a point guard. Or Westbrook. Well, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, no, no even, guns allowed. Even in Marcus Smart to that, if you want to compare point guards in the draft, I think Marcus Smart's got to have the ball in his hands a little bit mm-hmm. too much to be effective. Now, so. The guy I'm excited to see going to draft, and this is going to shock you. All right. James Young. He's dropping, man. I like, know. He hasn't like dropped out of the first round, but he's in the 20s. But that that would be my, my, my sleeper dark horse pick. But how high? To, to be one of the best players, I think, of going forward this class because of his skill set. And I agree with he's that. He's a tall guy. He can shoot lights out. If he could just have, if he could just get some better ball handling uh, going there, he would be dangerous. I mean, he would be a dangerous guard. I, I think he, uh, I think he's got more of an NBA upside than he does a college upside, without a doubt. And I think he could be a matchup problem. Uh, but it looks like you know, he's going to go somewhere between twenty-two and twenty-seven. It's so, not too bad. No, no. I mean, you get first-round money, so. Uh, I'm excited because we looks like we're going to for sure have four Derby Classic guys select in the first round. There we go. And uh, maybe five, but uh, definitely four. It looks pretty solid. So uh, that would be Marcus Smart getting selected. And then uh, T.J. Warren and uh, Tyler Ennis and uh, Jordan Adams out of UCLA. So four four guys. What do you think about Warren as far as an NBA? Man, I love T.J. I mean, uh, well, as a person or as a player? No, as both. I mean, I think he's – as a person, he's very grounded. He's um, – He's he's extremely to himself and quiet. He's got that quiet confidence about him. Uh, as a player, I think he 
he's another guy that could be a matchup problem because I could think he could play. Um, you know, he's he's gonna be a, a he'll be a three in the NBA, but mm-hmm. um, you know, he can play a couple other positions if he I, had to. So. I think he needs to work on his body. He Get looks a little stronger. He he's sloppy. Yeah, he's got no muscle definition. He's just sloppy. He looks like an Antoine Walker. And yeah. if Antoine Walker would have kept himself in shape, he would have had another five years. Mm-hmm. I mean, now Antoine Walker can shoot. He's taller. He's got a little bit, you know, I don't know, more of – Better game? Better – maybe. I mean, I, Warren's skilled. But I, I'm not a huge fan of of guys going to the NBA. If I was drafting, I would I would look at their body types too. I, yeah. I do not like soft, sloppy bodies. I can't stand it. I just don't see how, as a, as a basketball player, your body can even get that way. Yeah, it means I mean, you're not working. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. You know, especially when you run as much as you do. Oh, yeah. It's hard to imagine you can actually just get chunky. Yeah. I mean, it really <laughs> yeah, is. I it mean, really is. I mean, as as much as you run, and as in basketball, I think of all the sports outside of soccer, it's probably the most taxing sport on your body. Yep. Because of all the stop and go, jumping, and things of that nature. You know, it's hard to imagine you can let, you know, you, you can't let yourself go. Or you can, I mean, how do you even gain weight? Say, I, that's a tricky part. Like, as much practice and running as you jump in as you do, how, how do you even gain weight yeah. and, and get kind of kind of pokey? And if you was like Shaq and you're like seven feet five and, you know, 300 pounds, yeah, I, I, you know, no, I don't care what you do. You're going to have a little pudge on you. But. You do the Troy Jackson method, the Escalade method, just be eating large, extra large pizzas covered in ranch dressing at midnight. There you go. Have just cakes be big. there stored in your drawer all the time. So, <laughs> Wasn't that what, uh, they had Anthony Davis doing down in New Orleans. Well, they were trying to put trying to. Yeah. They were like eat a pizza yeah. every night. They well, there was the exact opposite. <laughs> exact opposite of Troy. They're trying to get him down from five hundred and seventy pounds. Um, the other thing that's a, that's intriguing to me about the NBA draft is seeing that the guys that could be going into the second round, uh, you know, a guy like Isaiah Austin, who might be the very last guy selected that people thought two years ago would have been like a top five pick. Why is he dropping? I don't think that year – so that was like Nerland's Noel year, Shabazz Muhammad's year and all that stuff. I don't think that year the, – the, I just don't think the class was very good. But why is he dropping in this draft? Well, I don't think he necessarily – like he, – He's a seven-foot – he's an athletic seven-footer. Seven footer. But there's another guy who's just probably not – I don't think he's strong enough to play the NBA. Well, I mean, if – if Anthony Davis is strong enough to play in the NBA, this guy's strong enough. Who, who's mm. who's a guy that uh, couldn't Durant couldn't even do one bench press at two twenty five? But Durant was a perimeter player, even though he's a seven footer. I don't think Isaiah Austin is, and uh, Isaiah's got one I, eye. I just think that, that I think the strength factor is overrated with with big guys because their strength isn't muscle strength; it's body mass strength. Being able to push people out of the way, use leverage. I, I just. I'm not worried. I don't think he's really good with using his body at all, though. I just, you know, I think he scores when it's easy, and that's yeah. and that's about it. So, um, I'm not. I don't know. I'm not a big Isaiah Austin fan. I don't think that class is really good. But what I was going to try to get to was, you know, we were talking about the whole poll that came out with about Cal developing players in the NBA. The one thing you can say about Cal's guys is that he he hasn't missed a whole lot, and generally what you see is those guys, you know, you you would recruit these high end guys, and a lot of them would would miss. And well, he's we, had a pretty good conversion rate of getting them to go next. So there's a lot of McDonald's All-Americans that people think are going to be all-world studs. Orton's done pretty well. That don't. <laughs> <laughs> you can come up with examples. I'm not saying you can't Brandon go with Knight. examples. 
But he doesn't. He he does not miss. Brandon Knight's not a miss. He's a miss. Oh my goodness. Brandon Knight is not very good at all, at all. He's he's been trade. He wants. He needs to be traded for the second time in three years. <laughs> wow. He's just not. A, he's not a good point guard. Oh, see, he's I, okay. He's I, okay, but he's I don't. Not I wouldn't call him a miss though. Who's better, him or Brandon Jennings? Are you, but you're talking about. I'm talking about. He got. He came through Cal and still got drafted. Everybody goes through Cal and gets drafted because I know, but of the I'm name saying, of Kentucky. But, because he doesn't develop anybody. They come in the same player as they are when they leave, but they get drafted on the talent or what could be down the road. But I'm saying there's guys that come in with that kind of same kind of talent that don't get drafted, that don't pan out, uh, and that one year exposes them. When you have, and Isaiah Austin is an example of that. When you have the number one recruiting class 19 years in a row, yet you have one title to show for it, I don't think that's developing players. I, I really don't. I mean, you tell me one guy that's gotten better. One guy that's Harrelson. gotten better. I, see, he I, didn't bring in Harrelson. But he got better. He got better. He got better because he's a seventh-year senior. And I disagree because I think Wall got better. I think Cousins got better. I feel like Bledsoe got better. Um, I felt like Brandon Knight no, got better. No, I will say this. The guy to me that improved the most underneath his one-year tutelage was Teague. He was a horrible point guard, was was an average fair to middling point guard at the beginning of the season. And in tournament, he kind of really came into his own and actually kind of started to learn what a point guard was. But is that – so now we've got a pattern of players not playing well under Calipari until they get to the tournament. Maybe because that's the only thing they care it's about. Because he, no, because he's got a year. I don't think so. To I, get him to that point. I mean, it's not like it's, – it's such a different game. And just like the college to NBA is such a different game, high school to NBA, college is such a different game. Getting them to that point and getting them to, you know, play it a different way and being able to do it in a short turnaround time. I mean, I think that's what you see. You're always going to see learning, diff, you know, you're going to see learning curves in the in the beginning of the season, and then they're going to start to come together. And well, I, to me, I, I think what it'd be telling is now that some of these guys are coming back, is to see what happens their second year because a lot of times we don't have like a lot of information on what happens with these highly touted players if they stay that second, possibly that third year, and the growth from there. So this is actually one of the first times we can actually see some of these highly touted players, what happens after that, that first year. After that first year, all hype, and you come back, and then you can really judge after summer workouts and you know one-on-one, things of that nature. Then you can really see have they grown or are they kind of still the same, they kind of flounder, and then take off at the tournament. Now, I think I'll tell you a lot more. And I'll tell you about the, what Cal's going to do. I'll tell you the one guy that I tell you that really improved under Cal was Nerlens Noel. And I mean, because Nerlens Noel came into college and he was a defensive player and could dunk the ball, and that was it. And that's and he developed two or three go-to post moves that he in college that he was able to, to effectively pull off, and he was able to do it under, over both shoulders. And I thought that was uh, his offensive game came a long way um, under Cal that year. So, uh, anyway, let's uh, we're we're coming close to the end of the first break. We got tons of things to talk about, you know, that we're going to be able to get through. Uh, so we want you to join the conversation. Make sure you call on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line, three eight four fourteen fifty. Oxmoor Ford Service with free shell service and a clean, comfortable customer lounge, free Wi Fi, big screens, business center, and friendly people. We will be right back after the break. This is the Weekend Sports Buzz, brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney.
You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. All right, here we are back for the uh, second segment of the Weekend Sports Buzz. This is Mike. I'm here with Haven and Aaron. And uh, this is the Weekend Sports Buzz brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney. And uh, if you want to make sure to check out this show later on, you can go to livesportscaster.com and check out all the podcasts of our shows uh, it's a great site. There's a new Live Sportscaster app that you can download on the uh, Apple Ast- Apple Store and uh, and do this anytime you want. Even start your own podcast if you want to. Wow. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's what I'm talking about, man. Download the app. Download the app. All right, so we were talking a little NBA draft, and uh, uh, the big news in the NBA draft this week was, of course, the injury of Joel Embiid. Um, and, again, I, I, this Joel, Joel Embiid to me, who – his skill set and his ceiling is unbelievable. But did we not learn anything from Greg Oden? Or did we not learn anything from Sam Bowie? You just or don't. Or Michael Ola Candy. Oh, yeah. You do not draft injured big guys, especially with the back, let alone the foot. The back is what really would worry me. The back's a killer. I mean, I, that's, that's a killer. Because with the bad back, you can't even walk down the street to get groceries. I mean, it's just. And as much stress as a big man puts on his back with all the leaning and with people pounding him and trying to weigh him down, um, you know, it'll, it'll just be interesting. Plus, you know, with, with the way the NBA is now, I'm not even sure, like, is a center even a good draft pick anymore? Like, I, well, and that's the other argument I, that we can I make. I mean, like, a true, is a true center really a good draft pick unless you have an offense that can feed the big man down below. Because Embiid's, Embiid's not you know, stepping out and hitting a jump shot. No, he's not. I mean, he's scoring within five feet of the basket the entire time. It's not like, you know, he's, he, it's not like you're drafting Anthony Davis. There's a difference. Not that Anthony Davis is this unbelievable shooter, but he's got some perimeter skill, you know, and can face up and take people out the dribble. I, I don't disagree with that argument whatsoever. I mean, the NBA's changed to the point right now where that's probably the least effective position on the court. Now, if it was the Spurs... They may that that kind of kind of still feeds their low post player, and kind of still has that that type of offense. It may make more of a fit for them. It make for the, for that team. It would make sense because they, I don't I don't think Embiid's going to drop to thirty though. He won't he, <laughs> he won't drop to thirty. But I mean, but for them, like that would make sense to have kind of a big guy down low, to kind of a full time center because you can see where a full time center offense will fits fits in really easily. But the other teams. I mean, centers is just like an afterthought. I mean, most like, most NBA teams like four forwards and a guard. Well, the center now has just become a defensive position. He's your rim he, protector. Yeah, he's your rim protector. He's your eraser. He's someone that you need if you have Carmelo, James Harden. You have bad perimeter. So everybody, wants, everybody in the NBA wants Nerlens Noel. Absolutely, yeah. I, I would. I would. I I think he is perfect for the NBA. I, I'm not worried about his scoring. I, if he gets eight, ten rebounds a game, four of them offensive, gets eight points, goes a line a couple of times, that's all. That's all I care about out of him. So how far does Embiid drop in this draft? He'll still be in the top ten. Yeah, I, I, I don't think there's a chance. He Maybe drops seven. I don't think he drops that low though. I don't think so. Seven is the Lakers, and there's talk now after this injury, Marcus Smart or Embiid. Who do you take? Well, uh, some of the draft boards right now got Marcus Smart moving up to as high as four. Who's at four? Orlando. So with oh, how's he fit with Olin Depot? Is he gonna? You're gonna have Marcus Smart run the point. 
I, I would, yeah, because I pulled LOD ball off the ball. Oh, right, but I'm yeah. just saying. But I would trust the, as the far ball. As the basketball, in, yeah. I would trust the ball in Olin Depot's hands before I trust Smart. It, it's going to be very interesting to see. Maybe do you get Noah Vonley re, uh, you know, rejoin? Well, actually, he never played with with Oladipo, but you know, the two Indian right. guys there in Orlando. What, um, what trade do you think has the best chance of happening? I, I read something recently, and I love this, that the Jazz are going to try to move up to number one. They were going to try to move up to two, but now with the injury, Parker could go one, possibly right. to the Cavs. So Utah wants their <laughs> the the Mormon Mamba. They they want <laughs> to take Parker and bring him back home, so to speak, which would be great for the fan base. Yeah, because he's yeah because he's Mormon. he is Mormon. Um, so that would be great for the fan base. But I think they were talking about giving up Derek Favors and their number five pick. I believe. Yeah, they got number five. To move up to number one, then they would take Parker. Um, you already have, um, oh gosh, the point guard out of Michigan last year that did really well. Uh, that Burke. guy. Yeah, Burke. Trey Burke. You already have Trey Burke. Utah was bad, but they showed some promise. I what, So give me some other uh, potential traits here. What, what are we going to judge it against? That one, well, again, I don't think that one's happening. Since the since the Embiid injury, it's kind of changed some things. But um, the Sixers were wanting to move up to number one. We saw that one and give up their number three pick and um, Thaddeus Young for the chance to get Wiggins. I think you move. I think you move to get Wiggins. I don't think you move to get Parker. I think Wiggins has a chance to be not only. A better overall player, but he could be a transcendent player. I, he, so here's what we really could be. You think so? He's go, got the ability. I mean, he has, he's got he has, the, he has the ability, but from watching Wiggins play, it's like you just never knew like which Wiggins was was ever going to show up. And it's not and, even like, and for like a, mm-hmm. a, a top three pick. I want to know that this guy's actually going to he's going to show up because a lot of times you're watching him play, he looks like the average. An average guy out there, then, some... and that's exactly how we would always say it. Like in the recruiting world, it's like you know, you see him out there, he's playing, and then all of a sudden he would do something that no one else in the court could yeah, do. Yeah, it's like totally amazing. But then you know, for eighty percent of the time, it's just like, well, for me in there. the in, me in the NBA draft or just me in the NBA, I would take a chance on a guy that I know has the ability and see if I can get that ability out of him, rather than knowing I'm taking Parker, who's got a limited ceiling, just because he's not as athletic. But but he plays his tail off. It's it's almost – oh, he does, he does. But it's almost – again, they're they're not the same. But when you had LeBron versus Carmelo, when they both came out, Carmelo was more polished. But LeBron had that extra wow factor. I guess the difference to me between LeBron and Wiggins is that LeBron always embraced the media. LeBron always seemed to be okay putting himself out there. Wiggins is really kind of quiet and reserved and so doesn't really like the attention. Dial? Yeah, but see, the problem is that Boris Dial was never going to really going to get – he's always going to have Ginobili and Parker and Duncan and there and now probably uh, Leonard. So, But he can play his role. You know, you draft a guy like Andrew Wiggins, you want him to be the face of your franchise, right? You hope, and you, he's not really designed that like that. He's not really designed to be that guy. 
And it's uh, that kind of pressure to me is what kind of what at the beginning of Kansas, you know, he got off to that slow start. Kansas didn't play great. I think that was part of it. And then he kind of settled in and started doing better. Um, but I don't, still wouldn't say he ever like. He had some. He had some. He had some monster games. games. Yeah. yeah. But, but again, from a consistent level, I don't know. What about a guy like uh, a guy like Shabazz Napier? What about him? Where is he going to go? How yeah. low is he going to go? He's a second round pick, isn't he? I, I just don't see no, how he's they twenty. Keep, they keep on talking about him being the number two point guard. He was outplayed by Russ Smith every single time they played. I'm not. Uh, he was I, outplayed not only he... assist wise, points wise, floor general, defensively, but yet he's the he's the number two point guard behind Dante. And and the, and then the knock on Russ Smith is he can't play the point guard position or he doesn't. Well, I don't think he's the number two point guard. I mean, Marcus Smart's obviously a point guard. Well, but he's Dante a, a one-two slash. <clears throat> I would say Exum's more of a one-two slash than Marcus Smart is. Uh, the other guy is the kid from Lexington, La- Louisiana Lafayette, uh, Alfred Payton. You know, yeah. he's going to get drafted before Shabazz Napier. So. I, I was kind of curious because Shabazz had that nice little run yeah. in a tournament and kind of like Kimba Walker but not quite – up to Kimba's, well, but Kimba's Walker's standards was just was just was too <laughs> ungodly high. That? Who would you yeah. take first, Napier or Tyler Ennis? Mm, I would take Napier. No I way! Yeah, oh I, my goodness! I would take Napier. You know, I'm, I'm going to tell you why. I'm biased. I'm not going to say I'm not biased. I, 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 I know you're biased, but <laughs> I would take Napier only because Napier and during that tournament run kind of showed me the same things that you saw from Kimba Walker, a guy who's not afraid to put the entire team on his back. Yeah, who would take the big? Who would take the big time shots? He knows how to lead the team. He knows how to get the guys in positions. Okay, but this is to be effective. You got to remember, this is a later round draft pick. You want? You do want the new guy coming in with a pretty established roster already, being that guy that puts his team on the back and goes like that, or do you want a guy like Tyler Ennis who's going to distribute and be able to manage the team? And well, but it also depends on what, like what team I am because right. because like if I'm the Spurs. The Spurs draft players based on fit, fit, coachability. I mean, of course, you know you have to be talented, but they want guys who are coachable, not the prima donnas, not the guy that's going to go out there and be like, "Hey, it's all about me." They want no. You have to fit in the team. We play the team concept. This will be your role. Know your role. Fit your role. Play within your role, and we'll succeed. And, and they get guys, you know, that kind of fit that that model. So it all, all depends. Now, the, uh, most other NBA teams. They rather take, I think. I think. I think they rather go with a guy like Shabazz, who is flash. Know, yeah, who's who's flash, who can get it done, who can fill it up. But if he goes to Miami, I don't think he fill it up at that level. But if Napier can go to Miami and just be a floor general, it's a perfect fit. He It'll be a perfect have to fit. Score, just be a defensive guy. If he goes to San Antonio, which they're going to lose Patty Mills, it looks like. There's a lot of talk about him going to the Knicks, which. I just think is another terrible that, move on the Knicks part. That'd be a horrible move by the Knicks. It, it would be, but um, Knicks are full of terrible moves. <laughs> yes, they exactly. are. That'd be horrible. I mean, Patty. I mean, God bless Patty's soul. You know I mean, what's, what's <laughs> stressful for me as a Knicks fan, and, and I, you know, that's if I cheer for you. You're a Knicks fan, really? They don't. The they have Knicks? suffered, man. So it's like since Ewing's been there, you just you, you know how long ago that's been. It's been a long time. Jordan was still playing. The last time the Knicks were good. <laughs> Uh, well, no, I, I went to watch him play in the Eastern Conference Finals up in Indianapolis, so uh, it was my first NBA game. But oh. the Knicks, the Knicks never want to build through the draft at all. I mean, they never have a draft. They don't. They don't have a single first or second round pick in this draft, and that is a very common thing. And when they have a draft pick, they 
don't pick well. Is that still left over from Isaiah's moves? Uh, <laughs> it could be. It could be. But he I mean, gutted that team. He was the worst GM uh, in the history of NBA GMs. Was anybody as bad as Isaiah Thomas? And they're talking about some. I've heard there's rumors that he might be coming back to the NBA. So for what? Uh, who we'll who would see. hire this man? I don't. Uh, I don't, I don't how, know. How did he even? Where did he go to? Florida Atlantic? Or, yeah. And killed them. Why did they yeah, even was... hire them? <laughs> I don't know. Doesn't make any sense. To it me. was a Florida Atlantic or Florida International. Yeah, it, it, it was when Richard uh, replaced him. It was Florida International. Yeah. Well, so, okay. uh But yeah, I just I don't know. I I can see that as a Knicks fan, it's, it's painful, but. I love watching the NBA draft. You all like watching the NBA draft? I do. I like the moves. This is, to me, I like watching the NBA draft more than the NFL draft. Not me. Well, you're a football guy. I'm a football guy, but I'm biased. I'm not going to lie. I am biased. I'm a football guy. But to me, the problem with the NBA draft is that after, like, the first couple of picks, you start to get in kind of in, like, in all the foreign players that nobody's ever heard about, and the announcers have no idea who these guys are because then they all, the analysis is always the same. Well, he's tall, and he's athletic. <laughs> That's not true. They bring in the they bring and, in Fran Fraschilla who does all the and you have that one video of him dunking on like <laughs> on like some guy in Turkey and it's like yep there, guys wearing a yarmulke yeah <laughs> there he goes right there he, he he's he's going to be uh yes he's good <laughs> so what if we brought in Kuiper with his hair and Berman into the NBA draft. You but, think that would spice it up? No, a bit? you get to hear Berman no, just stutter all over the no, place. Honestly, Kenny Barkley, no, no, and I, Kenny Smith. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's what you need because you're going to need somebody that's going to be like that dude's garbage. <laughs> I don't know why they're doing this. And then some guy is going to so Barkley be the guy that's saying that this yeah. guy's garbage, and Kenny Smith can tell Barkley he's stupid. And yeah, that's, but that's what you need. Yeah. And then you don't we need have Jay Shaq Bills. in the you corner mumbling. The thing, the problem, but you're right. The uh, I like the NBA draft because the picks happen a lot faster than the NFL yeah. draft, and I'm more familiar with these guys. But then I also like the fact that um, the well, the one thing I, I guess did you touch on that it is the problem with the NBA draft is that the foreign players have such an advantage because uh, if if there's a foreign guy who's not as good as an American guy, but the NBA is not sold on the American guy that's there, they can take the foreign guy. And not have to pay him. They can waste a first-round pick on a guy who may pay out and develop over here. Where the if they draft the American guy, you got to pay him. They got to pay him three-year deal. And so it, it puts the American guys at such a disadvantage because uh, if you know if they don't feel like you know Shabazz Napier is ready to play at this level, and there's a foreign guy here that's worse than Shabazz, but you know they can just kind of sit him over there. They're going to take the foreign guy. Well, that's what the Spurs do. I mean, that Tiago Splitter, they drafted him. He waited two years. Right. And then they, he finally came over. I think they even uh, drafted Marco Bianelli or whatever his name is. That plays for him now. They drafted him, and then um, I think they held on to him for a year, and then Phoenix bought the rights to him. But that's what they constantly do. They they draft guys and stash them, and they don't need them right now. And you can't do that with American guys. You can't. Well, you know, and another thing is, to me, it was like, it's all about the, the announcers and and analysts who do the NBA draft, they seem to be so complimentary of every player that gets drafted. And there's nobody kind of like dinging him for like, yeah, you know, he's good, but they're all John Gruden's. Yes, they're all John. And that's the problem. All John Gruden's like, man, this he's, this guy, Jabari Parker, everybody. I, I tell you what, I put him on my football team. He says about everybody. That's why I need Stephen A. No, the the oh. worst, the worst though, the worst was in the, was the NFL draft and how John Gruden just harped on Manziel. Oh my God! It's like he was dating this dude. It's like, 
I mean, it was it was horrible. It's like they need to take Manziel. Every team, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like everybody was like, well, they need defensive linemen. They need to take Manziel. <laughs> Manziel can play the defensive line. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Manziel, he can do it all. I mean, haven't you seen his highlight tapes? When the man can play uh, quarterback, wide receiver, running back, you know, sell coffee. Uh, what do what, what you even do? He's Manziel. You just said highlight tapes, and so we're going to stop. We're going to go to the break right here, but I want to come back and talk about the highlight tapes because I just got back from the uh, NBA Players Association Top 100 camp for the, uh, for the high school kids. And, uh, you know, as fans, we watch these recruiting films and these highlight tapes. And it doesn't always paint the entire picture. <laughs> okay. So we'll uh, we'll come back and talk about what I saw down in Charlottesville, Virginia. And we'll be right back here on the Weekend Sports Buzz. Brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney. You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. All right, here we are back at the uh, 1450 Studios. This is the Weekend Sports Buzz. Mike Haven and Aaron join you here. Make sure you, if you want to call on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line, 502-384-1450. We've been talking a lot of hoops so far this morning uh, before we get into the social issues that we'll get into in the second hour. Um but I just got like I, I teased a little bit. I got back from the uh, NBA Players Association host a top 100 camp um, every year at the University of Virginia, where you have basically it's a couple more. It's like 106 of the top uh, players, not just seniors. There was a lot of juniors there, and actually the juniors we were talking during the break were kind of the talk of the talk of the whole deal. There's some really good junior guards, uh, especially uh, that are that are out there. Um, and then um, Derek Thornton being one that's actually going to be visiting Lexington right after he leaves Virginia. Um, boo. Boo. What are you talking about? <laughs> we, all these guys should go to Kentucky. We just want them all to go to Kentucky. I would love for them to have the top seven players go and they still lose in the second round. <laughs> they don't. They at least get to the Final Four. Let's, let's go there. All right. Uh, it's the Final Four NIT. That's what it is. So. <laughs> <laughs> All or nothing. Final Four NIT. There it is. But I want to talk real quick about some of the guys I saw. Uh, there's a guy that is considering going to Louisville uh, pretty hot and heavy, Antonio Blakeney. And, uh, man, this guy. Can he ball? From an offensive standpoint and from, like, the swagger attitude, he's like a Terry Rozier-Russ Smith combination. Wow. So he's more controlled than Russ. But he's got that swagger, and he'll score on somebody and then let them know about it. And uh, in a fun way, you know, not in like a derogatory way. He was going back and forth with Dennis Smith in uh, this one game I saw. And then uh, he – but he can score. And he, he's listed at 6'3", but he's probably like 6'1", you know. Like he is? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, but the dude can get up. I mean, he's, you know, throwing down dunks in the middle of the lane – and uh, he, his team uh, was his, on his team was Thon Baker, who's the like the all world, all everything next. We were talking about next Kevin Garnett type player, um, uh, who's a junior. Have you all seen the ESPN uh, showing that seven foot five Taco Fall guy that you know they kept on showing him walk through the doorway and he had a duck and all that stuff? It was yeah. like two weeks ago. That that guy was on the team. Uh, he's not. He's not very good, but he's seven five. Yeah, I mean, was, you don't have to be good. You just have to be I mean, able to stand. Just but, uh, stand right here. <laughs> Put your hand up. Can you do that, son? What's the, what's the guy play for the the Utah Jazz? Was like really tall. Bradley. 
Yeah, yeah. Sean Bradley. Sean Bradley was horrible. I mean, he had, had no game at all. But <laughs> just stand six. here. Yeah, yeah. Just, just stand here. Uh, but, yeah, anyway, uh, Blakeney goes through. The, he's one of the top scorers at the camp right now. He's averaging – uh, he's the third leading scorer in the camp. Actually, tied for second leading scorer in the camp with 14.7 points a game. Uh, top guard leading scorer, though, in the whole camp because the two guys are ahead of him are big guys. I just really – the guy can do it all. I mean, he can get to the hoop. He can shoot from the outside. He is a scoring machine and a guy that would be a really good um, addition to Louisville because I know that Rick could uh, get him to play defense for sure. Yeah, and it's between basically Louisville and Florida. Yeah, in Florida, because he's from Florida, and they signed. Well, we got a commitment from that uh, Kevon Allen, who's a shooting guard. Right. So there's a lot of talk that that's going to now push Blakeney to, to Louisville. Louisville, which is going to be interesting to see because Louisville still has a lot of guys in those positions as well. But you know, you're going to probably be losing. You're going to be losing. Yeah, uh, Terry's only. Well, Terry's going to be a junior, I guess. Yeah. So I mean, you're going to have those guys having to kind of come through. And, I mean, if he plays the way that everybody expects him to play. He Rogier. could be gone. Yeah, he could be gone next year. He is a, a. I just. I love his game and his ability and the fact that he's he plays with that quiet confidence as well too. But um, Blakeney is a guy that really could play right now. The crystal ball. I love the crystal ball on twenty four seven. They got it's seventy eight percent going to Louisville for Blakeney and twenty two percent for going to Florida. Um, and I just think this kid could be a, a huge addition. They also have him listed at 6'4". There's no no chance he's 6'4". So, <laughs> just putting that rumor out there right now, he's nowhere close to 6'4". Uh, I don't think anybody sound like six, measures seven. up to, to like their heights. Cause I wonder what I would be listed as. A, probably about 6'7". I think I'd probably be listed at 6'7". If, if Russ Smith can make 6'1", yeah. you can be least Because Russ Smith may be. 5'10". 5'10". You've been awful gracious. I probably. <laughs> I would say like about 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, Oh, I think he's close to five ten. I mean, I'm like five. Well, what's, I'm, what's I'm like five seven. I've I've stood next to Russ Smith, and we're almost like eye to eyes. I mean, Dewan Wheat, we're almost like the exact same height. Almost like eye to eye. How, like, how tall is Patino? I think he think I think he tells people he's six foot, but not Patino. Yeah. Oh, because Russ Smith stands next to him, and he's a couple inches taller. Oh, really? Yeah, I've oh. seen them stand next to each other. Yeah, I don't know. The Patino's probably not six foot. I don't think he, I. I bet he's five ten. I bet Russ is 5'11"-ish. But, you know, they also – I don't know. They have that – you know, that the, the uh, NBA camps, they always – they measure them out. I did look at that a couple weeks ago. Uh, the, the, that's for the, the pros, though, like when they're going in before they're going. Right. Yeah. And I, I didn't see what he was listed at. I was surprised guys like – even Noah Bonnelly, they had him at 6'9", I think, which – They measured him with shoes on. They did with and without. And it's funny because some of these guys have inch and a half shoes. shoes some of them have – Yeah, you know, that's, that's, that's a crock right there, measuring with shoes on. Why? Who, who does that? But why not? They play in their shoes. Why don't you measure them in their shoes? Because we'll see their true height. Because you can always add some shoes. But, it makes my a couple inches taller. I, I know, heels. I mean, yeah. Well. <laughs> I'm mean, like me right now. Like I'm like, you know, five six, five seven. I'm, I'm like five nine with a good pair of. But, uh, but you're of Jordans going. On. But you're going to play with your shoes on. So why not measure you how you play? That's the one thing that kills me about the the NFL draft. They have these guys run the forty, in their underwear. Do you play in your underwear? No, you should probably have like full pads I, on. I honestly think you should put full pads on because there are a lot of guys that can carry pads and carry weight and run pretty much the same speed. Obviously, you're going to lose a little bit. And there are other guys, you put weight on them, and they just slow down. Well, and the thing about the NFL combine and, and that whole 40 thing, the 40 is really kind of you know, almost outmoded a little bit because nobody runs like a 40-yard spurts really. Especially like your quarterbacks, things of that nature. I, mean, I know it's like a, a, 
probably one of the only measures of, of, of quickness that you can possibly have. Russ Smith measured in at five eleven and a half without shoes on, and just over six foot with shoes off. With shoes on, yeah, five eleven and a half without shoes, just over six foot with shoes on. There you go. Maybe he is taller than we thought. But maybe, and maybe it's time for me to start to measure myself with shoes on it. And yeah, there you go. <laughs> what shoes did you did you have heels on when you met him? When you stood next to him, did you have no? Heels I, on? I had my little Nikes on right now. Yeah. Uh, what you know, color was your hair? Kind of going, kind of going too far on that one. <laughs> I got hot ones for you if you want to go down that road. <laughs> no, no, let's not do that. <laughs> We're good. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of agree with with Aaron, I guess, you know, that it was well, especially on the draft thing. Is at the NFL draft, they should probably be have – they should have pads on. I don't think the NFL draft or the NBA draft combine means anything. <laughs> so, I mean, it. you know, the NBA draft – I mean, the, the, the NFL draft to me, you see enough film – you pretty much know what you have. And this is the one thing that kills me about Bridgewater is that when you watch him on film versus any other quarterback, they're going to tell you that's the number one quarterback coming out of college. Then you get into individuals or you get into pro days and all of a sudden he starts dropping. Now he didn't wear his glove and all that jazz. I don't care about all that stuff. It's not really a Bridgewater thing. It is how do you take two or three years of film and completely throw that out the window because of one or two. Because they want to make it scientific. Days. They want to fit this like little met- metrics so they can like have a higher ability to predict. But what they do, what they take all these measurements and all these stats and that they get at these combines, and they try to figure out who's measures up the best. They take out the one thing that I feel like really makes a professional athlete a professional athlete, and that's the intangibles. I, I agree. You know, and that's what I worry about with like a guy like Ray Smith. At, who was at the NBA Players Association camp? The guy measures out unbelievably. He's, you know, he's long. He can play probably play three or four positions at the at the NBA level. He's extremely skilled, but from the intangible level, I just don't know if he wants it. Right. And well, that's, and that's, and that's that's the big thing. But no, about, about Bridgewater specifically. You know, with the in, you know, and this is where major sports, no matter what the major sport is, they all get caught up in length. Size, height, and things of that nature. Length doesn't matter. Okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> girth. But, oh, <laughs> that's right. It's all about the girth. But um, <laughs> but you know, like 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 his like his small hands and not be able to grip the football. Because right. in the NFL, they worry about you know when the weather's bad, when it's raining or mm-hmm. snow outside. You know, can you hold the football? Is going to slip out and Aaron throws and things of that nature. That's not the pro day knock. I I I understand a pro day knock because a pro day is where, as a quarterback, it should be the easiest thing in the world because right. you know you're, you choose the receivers, the routes. you choose the routes, and you're running and you're playing in a facility that you played in for about three or four years. So everything is very familiar for you. You should not have any drops, any errant throws, because all the throws should be something that you're very comfortable with. And you probably rehearsed yeah, over and over and over. you rehearse it over and over. and over again. You should be very, very good at doing these throws. And when you come out throwing the ball too high and you're missing guys and things of that nature – you know, the NFL guys are kind of like, well, what's going on here? You have, like, months to prepare for this. Uh, you know, everything is already choreographed and rehearsed before you get here. This would be something we should show up, watch you spin the ball. We look at the velocity, you know, of the ball come out your hands. And that's pretty much all we're looking for, and we're good to go. But if you can do that in your pro day, but you can't do it on the field during a game, what's the difference? What's, what, I guess what's the one difference to me is, like, in, in, you know, compare a quarterback to a shooting threat in the NBA. You know, obviously a college shooting threat has to step back another three feet to be an NBA shooting threat for the three-point range. And a quarterback has to be able to throw the bigger football. 
And that to me would be it's the only thing. Bigger, but it's 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 more it's more aerodynamic, so it's easier to spin the ball. Yeah, I, I just I think that the right coaches and the right GMs in in football they use the draft or the combines for the interviews. They want to get to know these guys and, yeah, and, and use it, those things. So they want I the intangibles. They want the intangibles, and and that's what they they should be looking at. I know there's a lot of them that do, but then you you run into morons like the Jets or whoever it is, and they take. Vernon Golston because he did unbelievable at the combine and had all these great numbers, yet in three years at Ohio State had four sacks and three of them came in one game because he blew up. And, oh, but look at him. He's got 3% body fat. He's got long arms. He gets off the ball. You know, but he's he's got the demeanor of David Robinson. And I love David Robinson, but he wouldn't make it in the, the NFL. Yeah, I mean, it's all it's all a crapshoot, but in the end, I think for for Teddy, it worked out to be the best. Oh, I don't think there's any question. Yeah, he, he went to he went to he lost about maybe three or four million dollars. Yeah, but on the first contract, on the first contract, but he's going he to a much, make it up on yeah, the second contract. And he, he will make it up. I mean, he's he's already pushing for like serious playing time already. Well, because he's he's he, just he's a phenom as a quarterback. He he's just a phenom. It's silly that he that they knocked him as hard and. Again, I, it really wasn't about a Bridgewater thing, but that to me just it came up um, because that's that's the guy to me that dropped for no reason whatsoever. Well, let me explain. I guess do the correlation here for what I saw at the NBA Top 100 camp. So I'm watching Blakeney play, and he's got Thon Maker on his team, and everybody wants to see Thon Maker play as well because if you've seen anything about Thon Maker, his highlight film on YouTube is like phenomenal, <laughs> disgusting. I mean, it's like holy geez, how can a seven foot? It's a video game. Junior, he was a sophomore in high school when he was doing this. How can, how can this even be possible? But you got to remember that is a very selective clip of a whole year. And he's playing against guys like my height. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm out here and I'm watching him play against this uh, this this kid from North Carolina. Uh, his name was May, and uh, Kevin May, I want to say, is what his name was. And and, and I got a guy. Um, it's actually Tyler Lewis's dad who. Tyler Lewis played at North Carolina State, but also played in the Derby Classic. But he's a recruiting guru in that area. And I was like, tell me about this, this May kid. I mean, because he's 6'8", but he was killing Thonmaker. I mean, he had Thonmaker almost throw a punch because he was so frustrated, out hustling him, scoring at will. The guy was like, ended up being like the second lean scorer on his team, with, and that included Ray Smith on his team. <laughs> and this guy is just doing everything that you want to see at college, from a college coaching standpoint, everything you want to see. But he's 6'8". He's and he's white, and he's kind of the stocky. He's eight, going to Duke. But he runs the floor really well. <laughs> and I'm like, where does this kid want to go? And he's like, well, this kid wants to go to Virginia, but they haven't offered him yet. And I'm like looking at this kid, and it's like, how do you not offer this kid? Because they all look at the Thon makers and the length and all that other stuff and the ability. The but it's like, this is the kid that's going to stay for four years that you can like completely build your team around that's going to give you four solid years. And it's the same kind of like – See, look at what you're looking at on the floor, and see how hard this kid plays, and how he gets every rebound, and how he finishes, you know, 75% field goal percentage or whatever else. And it's like uh, it, they, they to me completely miss the boat because they all want to catch the next, Big the next great thing. You know, speaking of which, he ended up being the third leading rebounder. This it was Luke May. I'm sorry, I think I said uh, you said Kevin. Kevin. Luke May ended up being the third leading rebounder in the in the entire deal. He averaged uh, 6.8 rebounds and over 10 points a game. Throughout the camp, I mean, and that's a kid that can't get a scholarship offer from Virginia. Well, you know, Bennett, Tony Bennett, 
down there. That's a to- perfect Tony Bennett player. I mean, the thing is, it, it all depends on a coaching staff and, and what they look for in players. And I'm going to bring this back to football just one more time. Charlie Strong in Texas. Right now. Can't get a Texas commitment. He can't get a Texas commitment to save his life, number one. Number two, he's getting – I mean, Texas A&M and Kevin Sumlin is, is drubbing Charlie. It's drubbing him. But Charlie, as, as we saw at UofL, he may not get, like, all the top four or five-star kids, but he knows football players. And the guys who recruit, like Calvin Pryor, was a, a three-star you know, prospect. He wasn't as rated as high as some of the other guys that you know, the little I even uh, recruited that year. But, I mean, man's a beast. I mean, he just knows. Like, Bible Trino's the same way. These guys, they know players. Well, let's actually let's – we'll go to that on the other side. We're at the heartbreak of the hour. We'll be right back on the Weekend Sports Bus. You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. I like Douglas's music choices today. It's kind of, you know, like the old school radio stuff. It's Mammy Vice, baby. I love it. Taking it back. <laughs> I love it. Mike Gandolfo here with Haven and Aaron. This is the Weekend Sports Buzz brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney. And uh, we are here. We were talking a little bit. Charlie's, Charlie's uh, honeymoon in Texas is probably over. <laughs> and they you know, even did he game actually one. even have a honeymoon? No, he didn't. It he never did started. Not. They attacked him right away. They did. I mean, it was it was not the hire I think the Texas fans were hoping to get. Well, they you know, they wanted the guy in Alabama. Let's well, speak. Yeah, they did. But the problem with so the, does everybody. Yeah, pretty much. The problem that Charlie's really going to have is that he's a defensive guy, and Texas defense would be great. But Texas plays in the Big Twelve, which is a heavily offensive league, and you have to be able to score points. And what their fear is is that. You know, you had all this. You had this great offensive talent in Louisville with Bridgewater and Devontae Parker and you know Kyle De La Cruz and all these other guys. But yet, you guys only scored like twenty-one points against Memphis. I mean, twenty-one points is not going to beat Baylor. You only had two touchdowns against Temple. Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, <laughs> and then that, when you're up on Kentucky, you just call and the then, dogs. But that's that's the point right there is when you're in Texas and the offenses that you got to go up against recruiting wise. Texas a puts up points. Baylor puts up points. Texas Tech puts up points. Oklahoma puts up points. Well, yeah. used to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you got you got the schools that you're going against and are putting up some major points. And he's, you know, at the top. What what they what was it? What were they saying? The top 25 Texas recruits. He doesn't have a single Texas recruit yet. And there's A and M's got like a you know a big handful. It's got the most, and then Baylor's got the second most. And he doesn't have any of them. Now he still has a, according to twenty four seven, he still has the fifteenth ranked recruiting class in the country right now, which is pretty good. But yeah. no five star commitments. A and M's already got three five star commitments. I mean, but the one thing you've you've seen Charlie be able to do is develop players. You look at Texas; they have, they constant. They're like Tennessee. They constantly have a top ten, fifteen recruiting class every single year. But that doesn't correlate to wins, and the, it's all this, about coaching, baby. And it also goes; it is about coaching. I mean, it really is. But it also goes to evaluating talent. Now, there are some five-star guys that deserve to be 
elite guys. They are just that good. But then there's a lot of guys that they're five-star guys, but they've already reached their ceiling in high school. They're, they're genetic freaks. They've been able to dominate. They're, they're not going to continue to develop. There's a lot of there's a lot of late star, bloomers. There's a, well, and that's, uh, you know, there's a lot of three-star guys that make it to the NFL because they they don't go to Alabama and want to play right away. They'll, uh, I'm a big Iowa Hawkeye fan, so I'm just going to throw that out there. Wow. There's a lot of guys that go I need to pat you on the back to, for that one. Yeah. You're long-suffering. Long, I'm a Cubs fan, too. So, <laughs> uh, so it, there's okay. a lot of guys that are two- and three-star guys that will go to the right system. And, and again, Iowa does a great job with offensive linemen because they take a lot of tight ends out of high school. They'll take quarterbacks out of high school that have a great build. They have great footwork. They'll redshirt them, beef them up. By the time they become redshirt sophomores or juniors, they put on 60 pounds, but they have great footwork. They got long arms. They've learned about leverage because Ferentz is a great offensive line coach. That's why they're so good at putting offensive linemen in the NFL because they're developing guys. And there's no skilled position players you can recruit in Iowa or Nebraska right. or Minnesota. Exactly. I mean, the, you, you have the to, cold weather states. But a lot of those two and three star guys find where they're going to develop the best. And and so, yeah, Iowa's not going to be a powerhouse. You know, they again. don't. Like, again, they were great in the 80s. Um, but when they had pink you know, bathrooms or pink locker rooms, they still they still have them. They still have the pink locker room. They, well, and there's a movement to try and get them taken away because it's too unfair. I, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> um, but my point is, there are certain coaches that can develop talent um, because they pick the right guy. <laughs> they pick the right guys for the system. And uh, and and Charlie's one of those guys. Charlie, I mean, Charlie is. is an excellent eye for talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did, I did see where Texas, you know, they made him get a co-offensive coordinator. <laughs> because they were not going to have Sean Watson call the plays by himself. Yeah. They just were not. And, it, and let's be honest, it wasn't with Teddy Bridgewater. Sean Watson's offensive play calling was, was kind of horrid at times. This is one of the guys who was one of the hottest assistant coaches in college football and one of the biggest candidates to be Another, a, a head, head coach. coach two years ago. Interview for the Auburn job. And he should, and he, and he should have. He got some offers from like some smaller schools like Division One schools, and if you want to be a head coach, he may have should have taken it because my personal opinion from watching Sean Watson, it, he's not really that imaginative of a of a play caller. Louisville just out-talented everybody. Well, I don't think Louisville had that much talent, to be honest with you. I on think, offense, Louisville had a lot of talent on offense. I think Kai De La Cruz is okay, but I think he just – I think From a line standpoint, yeah. they sucked. Yeah. Yeah, the, the offensive line was. And that's where it starts. Well, and the problem is like like Charlie likes the big guys, uh, not very. They're more like human shields than anything <laughs> else. I mean, just like literally just stand there and just kind of just push your guy off and keep him off long enough. Teddy can handle the rest. You know, in Texas, that's that's uh, that offense philosophy that, that he had in Louisville is not going to work at Texas because you just had just an unbelievable phenom in Teddy who could audible out of the wrong play, get you to the right play, and, and make things happen on his but own. was it Watson, or do you think it was Strong telling him to be vanilla? Both. Because if you saw Watson's play calling when he was at Nebraska, that's why he was ran out of Nebraska. Because it was kind of 
the West Coast offense, but let me find the most vanilla version of this West Coast offense I, I could possibly find to kind of throw up there. Well, I think a little bit of the reason he was ran out of there, too, is because Taylor Martinez is terrible. They thought he was good, and they tried to blame it on the offensive coordinator why they have a terrible quarterback. No, it was, it was, just, a, it was just a bad. Charlie's got to start the year with three non-conference games, North Texas game one. Win. It's a win. But then he's got to go to uh, – he's got BYU coming into Austin, and he's got to go – he goes to Arlington to play UCLA. You said it'll trounce them. Those are not – those are definitely games that are losable games. Yeah. And, you know, they're not – I mean, those are tough non-conference opponents, right? It'll be interesting because Char- mm-hmm. Charlie's defense will be ready. The, it's BYU. I, I believe they could stop BYU. It's just to me it's can he score. And, that, and that's going to be the big question mark on, Tex, on Texas' first year on the Charlie Strong. Can they score? Their defense will be ready. Well, but let's not pretend here. Can they score? When he was at Louisville – he lost more games they shouldn't have lost than he won games mm. they should have won. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, the only game that he really won that he shouldn't have won was really that Florida game. In the in the bowl? Yeah. What do you mean? Well, how could he how is he supposed to lose it? I mean, I'm, why right, shouldn't well, he have won? Why shouldn't he have won? What I'm saying he came in as the Because underdog. Kentucky can't beat Florida? No. And they haven't beaten him since 1972? They were now the, Louisville the underdog. On paper, you would have thought that that was the game but that they if were going to lose. But if that's you, what I'm trying to that's, say. That's not it, really. Not they really. were an underdog to people that don't follow college football, and I hate saying that because these guys, obviously Vegas does follow it. But if you watch yeah, those teams gets play, close. they do. But if you watch <laughs> those two teams play, Florida could not score at all. Well, Muschamp's terrible. Let's, they, let's they, throw that out their there. quarterback situation is terrible. They had a decent defense. They usually have a dominant defense. They had a decent. Okay, one. so then I'm sorry, I'm wrong. Charlie Stone never won a game that he shouldn't have won. That's fine. Okay, just don't say they shouldn't have beat Florida. So that was tailor made for Louisville beatdown. He lost in a, a a good handful of games that he UConn, well Syracuse, yeah. Who were the, some of the non conference losses he had in the first couple of years? They were they were terrible. Well, even in, not what, even what? in the first few years, it's even like la- the the last two, two years when they had really good teams, they'd have that hiccup to Syracuse and they right. lose to UConn at home. If they win those games, they're on they're the they I think they lost two in a row. Didn't they last year? Yeah, they lost to uh, UConn and then someone else. It was UConn and Syracuse, so back to back. Back to back. Because Teddy got hurt in the UConn game. Um, was UConn? Yeah, it was the UConn game when Teddy got hurt. Or he, he got he got banged up quite a bit. I thought like we a, went to that game and there was thirteen people. He there. goes six and six in the Big Ten, in Big Twelve next year, and people will say, "You told you, you know, so. it's Mac Brown." No, I th- I think they you know it's Mac Brown's players. Whatever you got to give him time to turn around. But he goes six and six and has a has a subpar Texas recruiting class and can't get the top in ta- in state talent. That's when they're going to have issues. I it think is, he can get a little bit of a pass on what his record is. It's going to be interesting. I mean that 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 is going to be interesting. And understand why Charlie wanted to go and why he wanted to go to Texas cuz he's a big conference snob. He's a kind of a big school, you know, kind of snob there, but it it it'll, it'll be interesting. Well, it's also more interesting to see what the inverse of that is what Bible Trino is now doing at Yovel. Giving a million dollars to charity. Giving a million dollars to charity. That's right. But besides that, he is, um, you know, some some Yovel fans aren't enamored with his recruiting so far. You know, even though Louisville's picked up, I think, like three, four recruits this week, uh, some of those guys have been unranked. He's uh, not, but that's the, the, that's the only other The He's only other offers have been like, um, you know, it's like East Carolina State and some directional schools. So a lot of people thought going to the, you know going to the ACC this year 
that we would kind of step up our recruiting. You see, you see a little more four stars, but but thing is, you know, with Bobby's kind of, you know, it's kind of hard to tell because Bobby's such a master at developing talent. And getting guys, especially on offense. I mean, I think well, you're talking about a system guy. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's his, a, he's, he's the, phenomenal. Yeah, when he they were in their heyday with Brom running that offense, there was more wide open wide receivers running downfield than I've ever seen in college football. He just his he he knows how to call offensive plays. He's very very intelligent. But yeah, recruiting has never been his thing. Even when he was at Arkansas. He didn't I, have ma- ma- monster recruiting classes at Arkansas. I honestly think he'd rather build his team with solid three-star guys. I think so. That he knows that he can, you know, coach that will listen and and do what he needs him to do and and transfers. Bobby yeah. lives. Yeah, off, he's pulling in some transfers. Bobby he? lives off of transfers, and you know it's like he's doing it again. I mean, the transfers that Louisville's gotten have just been like, you know, I think all his transfers been like four stars mm-hmm. and things like that. And that's what that's what Bobby does. Last time he was here in the. You know, it's interesting. I was kind of looking at, uh, you know, just like you watch basketball ad nauseum. You know, I watch a lot of YouTube uh, games on football. I mean, YouTube videos on football. And I was watching the 2004 uh, Liberty Bowl team. And I, see, I watched the, the Fiesta Bowl. I watched the Liberty Bowl. And I watched the 2006 Mammy game. And I was kind of just looking at the roster of players. And, you know, I would argue that that 2004 team, may have been the most talented team ever to play at the University of Louisville, even better than Charlie Strong's 2012-2013 Sugar Bowl slash Russell Athletic Bowl teams. The 2014, I mean, just the the NFL talent on that roster is just like, it's just, it's frightening. Because you had uh, Elvis Dumerville, who's still playing the league, Moby Okoye, who's still in the league, Montavia Stanley, who played for the Dallas Cowboys, A. Brown, who's still with the um, – with the Bengals, William Gay, who's with the Steelers. Uh, it's impressive. Bush, who played in the NFL. Shelton, who was in the NFL. Lionel Gates, who was in the NFL. Is Bush not in the NFL anymore? Yes, he's, he's, he's still, still with the yeah. Bears, right, or whatever? Is no. it? He's not he's with the Bears. He's a free uh, agent. He's a free agent. Um, I mean, the only guy who didn't stay in the NFL like more than three years was LaFleur's on, on that roster. And his backup was, uh, as we know, Brom. It's just like, wow. I mean, just the level of talent in 2004 is just, it was mind-numbing. And you got to hand it, you know. Let's if we're gonna talk football recruiting a little bit. Stoops, Stoops is still getting it done. Stoops, I mean, Stoops is a recruiting beast. Bob Stoops is pretty good. I mean, <laughs> I mean, Stoops. Bob, who Stoops, are you talking about? Bob Stoops, I think, is getting his tail kicked in by his little brother. So what? From a recruiting standpoint, oh gosh. Kentucky's, I mean, seriously, I don't mind you being a Kentucky fan, but let's not go overboard. Uh, Kentucky's recruiting class right now. I don't care. Is thirty third. Oklahoma's thirty seventh. And he's pulling in four-star kids. He's pulling in four-star kids because – But see, now, so my, my thing is this. Stoops is a, a really good defensive type of guy, and I really expect Kentucky's defense to get better and to have more stamina. Because you saw last year, Kentucky's defense played really well in the first quarter. It may, even, against Western Kentucky? Even, even, even against Alabama. You know, they, 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 Alabama <laughs> shut out for the first quarter and a half. And then there was, that, there was dramatic improvement last yeah, year. And, and then that lack of depth is kind of kicked in. in. What I'm worried about is that I'm still not sold on Neil Brown as offensive coordinator. I'm not sold on Neil Brown as offensive coordinator. And UofL, I mean, UofL, UK still doesn't have a guy that can spin the ball. And they don't have a running back. They don't have a wide receiver. Well, the, the, the running backs all right. The wide receivers. The running backs are better than Louisville's. Really? Yes. No, I know. Oh, geez. no. 
again, no, I'm not going to go that if far. If Kentucky always has more talent, how come they always lose to their little? I'm not saying their Kentucky little stepsister has, or whatever. Kentucky's, it is. Outcoached. Kentucky's talent level was pretty desolate when. Uh, Stoops got there, and you could tell because I thought Joker Phillips was awesome. You guys, Rich Brooks did this. Oh, we can't wait for Joker to take over. Joker's awesome. Joker's awesome. I don't think that's the that's not the sentiment I heard from a lot of Kentucky fans. When when Joker took over, you guys were dancing in the streets, thinking Joker's the next. I don't think that was the sentiment from. And he's terrible. I think I think once you went to coach and waiting, people who started nitpicking Joker to death, and they were not excited about Joker being the head coach for the most part. Who, well, by the way, just resigned at Florida because yes, he of a recruiting mm-hmm. violation. But um, bump rule. I'm going to say this: Uvell's r- running back core. Here picks and choose what he wants mm-hmm. to hear. That's all I'm trying to say. Uvell's running back picks core. Picks and choose what I want to hear. I'll hear is, what you have to say about this. It's going to be phenomenal. I mean, phenomenal. I mean, under Charlie Strong, we had the same kind of generic running plays, and it really didn't highlight what players could do. Wait till you see what Michael Dyer. Dominic Brown and those guys can do underneath a Petrino offense. It's it's gonna be night and day. That offense is it's just gonna be phenomenal. Cause one thing about Bobby, he doesn't care who's the quarterback. Bobby would make me look like the next NFL draft pick because he's just that good. Or at the very least, a Kentucky quarterback. At the very least. The very least. And that, there's where the I mean the Kentucky quarterbacks were terrible. terrible. But there's you had four star guys coming in. We you did had Morgan. And that uh, the, the other guy, Mazikowski. I, can't, Mazikowski, I can't pronounce his name. Well, Mazikowski, yeah, he he he, 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 he transferred. Yeah, yeah. But again, you get more hyped talk about recruits and Kentucky football, and they're constantly. It's never bad. been at this they're level. They're constantly though. bad. Haven has it ever been at this level? I mean, no. I mean, I, 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 honestly, right now, if, if you look at, at Kentucky's recruiting, Kentucky right now with their class way it stands right now will be better than any. Class Louisville's ever brought in yeah. has ever brought in. The difference has always been is coaching. Louisville has always consistently I'm not had ready to, the I'm better not ready. football coaches. But they I'm, also, I'm not, I think Mark Stoops is a hell of a defensive coach, and we got the, the you know. And I'm just I'm not really to judge them on their coaching ability yet until I see what happens when they have the, the proper tools to do it. Well, see, Neil Brown didn't have shit. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> Neil Brown didn't have anything. Uh, hopefully, uh, Douglas had the dump button. <laughs> I thought uh, that would be me who would do that right. first. Anyway, I apologize. Neil Brown didn't have any talent on the offensive end last year. And once it became so evident as a Kentucky fan, once Kentucky lost Randall Cobb, they had no playmakers. No one that could step up and make a big play. And if they're getting those guys in, and if they become, you know, whether it's the Thaddeus Snodgrass that's coming in, I think the, the Timmons kid from, uh, from, from Franklin County – Show that he could become that kind of guy. I think they've got they've got options now. They're just young, and well, they get experienced and get. Let um, me ask you this question: Kentucky last year went two and ten, right? If you gave Bobby Petrino that same team, does UK go two and ten? Seven and five, at least. No way they seven and five. At least seven and five, at least. You think? I'm I'm, I'm 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 asking you. Do you think Bobby Petrino with that same? I think team, Bobby Petrino would have a, would have had a better record. I say about four wins. But I and I would, would agree. I would say it's about four wins. But you're also dealing with a guy who's been a head coach before, with a guy who has, hasn't been a head coach before. You know. Um, but let's I, be honest. So Bobby's always Bobby's always had game. I mean, even Bobby's first year U of L, his first time ever being a head coach, it was evident from the time he took over that U of L team that this was a, a dramatic improvement over John L. Right, Smith. Right. I mean, from that very you first practice. Tell, I mean, he's just you, an, you want me to say that Petrino's a better offensive mind than Neil Brown? I mean, yeah, I'm going to say that. That's gonna. That's that's the truth. 
Well, and, but I'm not going to ready to throw Neil Brown to the curb just because Kentucky had trouble scoring last year when they had Max Smith, who basically didn't have a like didn't he threw the ball but couldn't throw ten yards. Uh, Patrick Tolles couldn't think himself out of a game, <laughs> and uh, Jalen Whitlow who was could, was just how, the best why option. Why can't Hal Mummy come back? Bring him in as an offensive coordinator. There you go. Let's bring in Hal Mummy. I, I'd cheer for him. It'd be you fun to watch. That was the whole idea, though, when bringing Neil Brown is you basically did bring Hal, Hal Mummy back. You're trying to air raid offense back without any air raid talent. I, I, I've heard but about see, this air raid, air raid, air raid. I haven't seen anything out of it. Well, because they didn't have anybody who could air and raid he, it last year. And, then and, don't talk about it. And the problem, and I don't. The, I don't talk about it. No, <laughs> I'm saying they do. Oh, you yeah. know, the, the air raid offense back. is back. No, that. I, I, I will say this: the earliest you will see the air raid offense maybe next year, and that's if UK can find a trigger man. Because I'm, I'm not sold on Drew Barker. I'm not, I'm not sold on any quarterback. Why are you not sold on Drew Barker? I mean, he just just because you. I mean, I'm, I can I can say I'm not sold on him either, just because I haven't seen him play yet. I mean, but that's I, I, I watched the spring game and I watched him spin it and I watched his decision making and it is it's just I mean he has he has all the physical tools to be you know he's a prototypical quarterback 6 foot 5 225 pounds, has a cannon for an arm but the touch isn't there on the ball especially on the intermediate the, uh, the short routes the decision making isn't there yet he holds the ball too long it's just aren't those typical high school quarterback mistakes you know you would think so you would think so but I will say this: If Bobby Petrino could get Hunter Cantwell drafted, then he had a longer release than Byron Leftwich. Well, Hunter Cantwell was, as people know, you know, he, he wasn't the, he wasn't the smartest. He was big and tall, had a cannon for an arm, but he was not the smartest knife in the shed. I mean, literally, I mean, Bobby's offense for for Hunter Cantwell was like throw the ball five yards. You you take three steps back when you get to that third step. You throw you it to release. this spot right here. Right. I don't care what the offense, I don't care what the defense looks like or how many, just throw it right there. Harry Douglas will be right there to catch the ball. Just just throw it right there. That's all you have to do is just throw it right there. And that was like the whole offense when he was, he was playing quarterback. Just throw it right here. You throw it over here. You throw it right there. Hand it off to him. That's all you got to do. Hand it off to him. Made it simple, stupid. Yeah. All right, we're going to have to take a break um, before we talk about Patrick Tolles being the saver of the Kentucky offense. <laughs> and we'll be right back on the Weekend Sports Buzz brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence. Patrick Tolles, the saver. You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. All right, we're back here on the Weekend Sports Buzz. Mike, Aaron, and Haven. Uh, Weekend Sports Buzz brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney. And uh, we are uh, going to switch gears a little bit because I want to get into this social issue because we have a very unique perspective for this. I, you know, I always like talking social issues with sports with Haven. And uh, for this particular one, uh, Aaron fits in really well. The, the The whole thing with the Washington Redskins logo, you know, came out. It looks like the Redskins might be losing their logo. They they're definitely going to be playing with it this year, or the Redskins name at least, I guess, is what it was. Uh, I, I say this because Aaron grew up in the Dakotas, South Dakota. Mm-hmm. So you, you had a, a big Native American presence around where you grew up. Um, so you kind of, I would say, you probably understand those people more than 
you know, for sure I would. I'm guessing I don't know about Haven's Native American backgrounds. Listen, my mom's Korean. I'm half Korean. I still don't understand that. No? Koreans? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, you but you look, you probably got mistaken all the time as a Native American. Yeah. I, I mean, I could be Samoan, Indian. <laughs> Are you big enough to be Samoan? No, I'm, I'm a... I'm a I'm a dieting. So maybe since I'm half Samoan. Maybe. You're, yeah, you're, I'm half the size. Yeah, you yeah, I'm a big guy, but you're not like you're not like no. that big of a guy. Yeah. So all the Samoans I know are like Oh yeah. I, big they're, guys. They're, they're, they're what? <laughs> Rikishi. Rikishi, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um anyway, uh, the Redskins told the whole thing about changing the name. Now I have a different perspective on this than most people uh, do from because I look at it from the business standpoint. sports. If I'm the Redskins, I'm like jumping at the bit to change my name. I can't wait to change my name. Because you're going to sell so much merchandise in the first year, it's not even funny. Do they keep the logo? I don't know if you can. Uh, I don't know. I mean, don't you, you know, have to get away from the Native American thing altogether? No, I, you don't. I mean, you, you can keep the logo. Case in point, Florida State. All right, there's a difference here between Florida State and, and Washington Redskins. It's a big okay? difference. We're not going to start, we're not going to create a team in LA called the LA Wetbacks, or, you know, they're not going to be the Atlanta Negroes or anything like that. Redskins is an offensive It's a very offensive name. Term, okay? It's the same as being called a Negro, true? I'll say darky, but continue. Darky, okay. Uh, it's the same as being called a, a wetback or, you know, whatever you wanted to call. Th- those are offensive. You know, I don't want the New York Dago Wops out there or anything like that. So uh, uh, all that kind of stuff is – Seminole is not offensive. I mean, that's, that is that culture What is The thing is a, this. Because my, well, my mom lives in Tallahassee, so I have a lot of experience with the going on of everything, of, of, of all things Florida State. You know, Florida State, they, they went to the Seminole Nation, and they asked permission if we could keep the name Seminole. And, you know, every, everything you see with the, with the guy coming out there with the flaming spear and jab, I mean, that's— All approved. Yeah, that's all approved. That's all sanctioned. They, all, they went— they ask someone, this is okay with you guys, or we do this, or we keep these things up. That's more of a celebration of their heritage. Yeah. That's how I look at it. The same right. thing the Atlanta Braves. The Atlanta Braves as the Cherokee Nation and various other things. If this is okay, if we keep the name the Braves. Cleveland Indians, same thing. They went as. If, if, if it's okay we call ourselves the Cleveland Indians. Is, is that okay with you? If you know, It's, but it's is, not that. In some ways, it's no the, different the than term, being called the New York Metropolitans, the New York Mets. I mean, what's the difference? But now the term Indian – is not offensive, but it's not politically correct. Because it's not Native American? Because it's not Native American. Yeah. So but now, Redskins do they is... need to change the name? The Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Now all Irishmen are drunk fighters? Well, do we yes, need to change that they name? Are, but... they, they possibly are. <laughs> but red skin, I mean, you know, Native Americans have darker skin. They're more red. It's, it's like more than Asians. all Catholics. Hmm? It's more like all Catholics. <laughs> <laughs> so the fighting Catholics. That's right. The drunk yeah. fighting. The Catholics. drunk and fighting Catholics. That does that does fit. That's, that's uh, by the way, it. I'm Catholic. That's why I'm you know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but you know, but Redskins a little bit different because that is a, a derogatory name. I mean, like 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 Indian, Indian is one thing, but since why you're Redskins, that's like having a team called the Darkies. You know, the the Brooklyn Darkies. It it, 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 <laughs> it, it would it, never fly. It is, but. And I agree. I, it, at this point, it does need to be changed. But my bigger problem with the entire uh, issue is who has the damn time to complain about this? They're not – the Redskins are not – their logo isn't offensive. They're not making it offensive. It's meant to be holding it up to a higher – Well, I mean, everybody – any team is going to want to uh, – is going to want to associate themselves with something that, you know – 
symbolizes courage and bravery right. and strength. And yeah. It wasn't power. meant to be a derogatory right. thing. And it wasn't, exactly. Just, but it's not, derog- it's not meant to be derogatory when my 82-year-old grandma says color people. Right. You know, it's just that's what she grew up with. And, yeah. and that's what I'm saying. It, it changes. Things change. but And things have changed. It's time for the Redskins to, to change. I mean, the logo can stay the same. I mean, the logo doesn't have to change. But what would have to change would just have to be the name Redskins. Man, but see, I'm telling from a marketing standpoint, I change everything. Change the colors. And then you start – because you don't even want people, like, showing up. Because if they show up in maroon and gold, then it's like you don't have the new stuff or whatever. Like You want to just sell stuff, Right. I mean, that's, that's what it comes down to. You want to sell Well, you want to sell stuff. You want to sell stuff, but you also have to keep the tradition. And the Redskins Tra- have— All right, so uh, what, what tradition are we talking about here? I well, mean, they got a couple Super Bowls, but does that go away from the Washington franchise because you changed the name? No. Did, did it go well, away from St. John's? The who? St. John's? The who? <laughs> <laughs> did it go away from—I mean, I, does, uh, uh, does the Houston— Houston still has a great the pro football— the Oilers, the Oilers, the Texans it became now. the Texans. I mean, it's not the same franchise because the Oilers became the Titans, but still, I mean, that it works. But, it no, down no, there. but you know, it's, it's a little different. When you move a team from one city to another city, and then you just completely like the Browns. And the Browns went to the Baltimore and became per, the there's Ravens. Another one, Browns. Yeah, That's, is, is that racist? Well, it's just a color brown. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's not. It's just, they're not talking about black people. You just yeah. made Does, it racist. Uh, you can take now, it any you way you want to take it. it. Now, I told it not be different. You can make it any way now, you want. And I said it would be different if it was the Browns, and then you had like some like a black guy in a suit just running around, and, and he was a logo. <laughs> That's a logo. Yeah, see that I'd, I'd be a little different. What if it was a white guy in blackface? No, see that would really be bad. <laughs> that probably be bad like in the thirties. But uh, <laughs> maybe he just jumped into Lake Erie and just came out of Lake Erie and started running the football. Then know? it'd be green. It'd, yeah. it'd then be a toxic Avenger. That's right. But um, I don't know. I, to me, again, it's the whole uproar. It's there. There's just there are other things to worry about than what, what, what a what, team what, calls themselves. Uh, just the the time and effort and the money is wasted. Is just like the. Um, the government getting involved in, in Major League Baseball and steroids. Uh, we, we've got more issues. We've got other things to worry about than to have to change a, a football name. It's just ridiculous well, to, the, me. The, to, to me. To me, it's like with the Redskins name, I don't think it, w- it would have gotten as much play if Daniel Snyder was, was a smarter man. And and to me, and that's – Well, that's it, definitely true. People and, don't like the Daniel Snyder. Yeah, and, and, and that's – and that's also the thing that's running with, with with the name change because you know at this day and age, 2014, honestly, you just can't have a team called the Redskins. I mean, it, it is what it is. And Daniel Snyder, all he has to do is go out and be like, you know, what name? Okay, look, we're not going to change. We'll, we'll change the name. I understand that we may have to, you know, change the logo. The logo, you, I'm sure you can you can keep because it's almost identical to Florida State's logo. So you, you can keep the logo. I don't think that'd be too much of a problem. So then, let's think of some other names we can, we can we can you know we we can change name to a team with. Let's celebrate the Native American history of Washington D.C. <laughs> no, but, but 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 you can. I mean, but uh, that's one of the things that that you can honestly do and get to get to the tribe. I mean, they all have representatives in D.C. anyway, so it's it's not like you have to fly to Arizona or Oklahoma to find somebody. I mean, they're all they're they're right there in D.C. and just say, hey, you know, let's kick around and you guys give me some ideas for some team names and we we can get this done at the end of the, the 2014 season. 2014-15 season, and we can make that transition, have a big celebration, and I can kick out some more, uh, you know, and I, I can go ahead and I can kick out some more, uh, some more gear, and it's all good because everybody was going to want to buy the new, the new name, or you know, we update the logo a little bit, what have you. So, and what do you change the name to? 
Hire marketers for that stuff. <laughs> any ideas? You, do you don't that. have any idea? I mean, you're gonna go. You can't go. People find warrior offensive. Yeah. Golden State's gonna have to change theirs. Yeah. So people find. Uh, well, we had. There's been so, several people that have gone away from the Warriors and uh, gone to different. Things. What was Ohio's before they went to the, went to the Red Hawks? Miami of Ohio. Yeah. They were the Redskins, weren't they? Were they? No, the, I thought those the Warriors. Were they Warriors? Yeah, I think it was. Then the they went to the Red Hawks. Yeah, is that what it was? Yeah, because they kept the same color logo. Basically, they just yeah. changed. Yeah, just changed, changed the name. name. The same thing with um, Milwaukee. Um, Marquette. 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 They, they were yeah. the Warriors. They as were well. the Warriors for sure. So yeah. and so, then Hershey. Know. Uh, no, was it what was it? Bradley did the in what school? Didn't the school outside of Chicago? I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm speaking. I don't know. But you know, I mean, so it's it's not it's not the hardest thing to do, and I think it, it could be done, and I, and and it, and it really should be done. I mean, I, the team name I honestly should have been changed like a long time ago. Like, can they on. can they still they call were, their Miami offensive University linemen was the Redskins, by the way? Can they still call their uh, offensive linemen the Hogs, or is that offensive because well, yeah, yes, as a fat, fat guy, as, as a fat, fat guy, guy, I take that offensive. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> thanks for asking for how I feel about that. No, uh, I would say this: it's offensive to call this current generation of. Of Redskins offensive linemen, the Hogs, because they are they're they're not performing up to that standard. <laughs> yeah, well, they're, they're, they're not the Hogs. It's more offensive if I'm an Indian and I look and see the uh, the the Redskins out there have fans dressed in drag and with little snouts on their face and that's all that stuff. Awesome. <laughs> that's awesome, man. It's a that's almost akin to like the black hole for the Lakers. I mean, for for the Raiders, man. You just have to yeah. love it. You just have to love the black. As hole. As a pirate, by the way, I find the Raiders name uh, be offensive uh, <laughs> because. I don't raid anything anymore. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm more of a buccaneer type. So with person. all the piracing going down, yeah, <laughs> I mean now we got to get rid of the Pittsburgh Pirates because that's holding them up to standards that you need to. <laughs> but rob I mean, this and steal is, on this the high is, seas. This is a little bit of. But, a but this is deal. different though. But it is different. This is I, like, again, it is. I just I, I can't stand the, the the time and effort wasted to change his name. It just it drives me insane. I mean, uh, there are uh, there are more. Issues than the names being used well, again the, because it's being it's not being used derogatorily. All right, but like, again, if, if there was a team out there that was called the Darkies or called the Negroes, there would be the same uproar. But because there's more African American people, it would be taken care of a lot well, we, quicker. We, we and what does it matter if you're African American or you're Native American? Well, I mean, just because there's a a bigger population of one doesn't mean that their issues to be taken more seriously than the smaller population. I mean, it, it, honestly, the Redskins is a name that should have been changed, like I said, decades ago. It, it, it shouldn't have taken this long to get up to the point. Well, they fought it for like 17 years or whatever. They, yeah. they have fought, yeah. If, if Daniel Snyder were smart, because this is the second time that the Redskins logo, or name rather, has been invalidated by the, the Trademark Association. This is like the second time it's happened. He says, go if he was smart, go ahead, say, hey, you know what, you're right. I'll put a committee together throughout the season. We'll work on it. We'll meet with Native American groups. We'll find a new name. See if we can keep the logo. See what. That's it. And just go from there. Come up with with the new name. I mean, it's not it's not rocket science. I mean, this is Daniel Snyder is making it like a trillion times worse. I just don't like. I don't buy the argument that if you change your name, that your all of a sudden all your history goes away. You know, no, it doesn't. And quite honestly, if you're drafted by the Washington Redskins, you're not like, oh man, I'm in the. Same locker room as Gus Farratt, or <laughs> you know, it's that's not going to be. It's not it. You know, it's not like oh, this is the same locker room that Mark Rippin used. I mean, it's not gonna. It's not there. You know, Art Monk, Art Monk was a Redskin, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah. Um. So 
I, I don't – your tradition, your history, your Super Bowl trophies are still there. Okay? You just have a new chapter. Just have a new, just have a new name. And the kids, the guy coming in the NFL, don't care. Yeah, all you got to do is keep the logo, keep the colors, change the name, move on. And it, it's not – it's not rocket science. It's not that no. difficult. I the mean, only thing I'm different on is that I say you change the colors, you change the logo, you change the name, you change everything, so you can sell more stuff. And, 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 and this is one more reason why people don't like Daniel Snyder. I mean, this is like this another like. Besides, he's, he's killing the franchise. This is just like something else. Shanahan might have killed the franchise. It is such a, <laughs> but I mean seriously, like if you're a business person, it's such an opportunity to make a ton of money really quick. Why wouldn't you do it? Man, you know, sometimes it's sometimes about it's like base, you know, it's, it's like baseball and, and, and tradition. Sometimes you get so stuck on tradition, it's it's hard to then, it's well, hard it to move. And I think this situation just might come down to Snyder being a wealthy businessman who doesn't like to be told he has to do anything yeah. and just digging in his heels and saying, "This is my team. I bought it. I don't have to do anything. You guys tell me to do. I can do what I want." Yeah. Eventually, it's going to have to change. I mean, Goodell will have to step up and and do something, or you know. He's gonna have to be pushed by somebody else rather than these groups. Um, well, I mean, let's put it this way: it's not like uh, it's not like our, our our boy in L.A. named the Clippers the Darkies. I mean, he made one off the <laughs> off the record comment that someone recorded, and he lost his team. Well, you know, and he got there. And there, what's the difference here? You no, know, and, and he's been this way for thirty three years, right? But nobody did anything about it until it finally became public. Public. Yeah, you know, and, and that Redskins whole has been public for a long time. Yeah, and the whole Daniel, I mean, not Daniel, that whole Donald Sterling thing. You know, like the biggest thing that I, I have against that was, I don't think that he, I don't think he should be forced to sell the Clippers because that comment he made in private, because it was made in private. It was a conversation between him and the side piece. She set him up. He fell for it again. And again, yeah, and again. The only problem you run I, I, – no, I agree. He but, shouldn't be forced to. But the problem you're going to run into is that <clears throat> the players aren't going to want to play for him. No. So then you get into so – There you go. That's the issue is that there's actual African-American players that play in the NBA and there's not that many Native American people playing in the NFL. Right. But <laughs> if you didn't – so then you go into camp. Players don't show up. Then you, you know, you're going to have to force him to sell in some way just so you can get the players back on the court. But, but this see, just speeds up the entire process. It, it, we, <clears> right, <throat> yeah, right now this speeds up the entire process, but not having the players show up, kind of, kind of taking a stand against you know Snyder or Sterling, what have you. But that, but see, that's a whole kind of different onus thing because then it's the team. It's more of a, it's more of an in team fighting and the NBA having to step in, and then it's it's a lot easier because your lawyers can get involved. But then it's like the legal issues kind of go away a lot because when the players don't show up and play and nobody plays against you, then do does your franchise really exist? Uh. But the, you know, the <laughs> thing is, though, they stepped up. The NBA stepped up and said, listen, we're going to take it upon ourselves. You're you're out. We're going to find somebody else. The NFL needs to finally step up. And do the same thing. Do the anyway. same thing. Well, they don't want to get rid of Daniel Snyder. It's not his fault. Pretty, well, no, I'm, just, I'm not saying resume, that, but I'm but saying yeah. you have to get them to change the name in some way. Like, listen, this is going to drag out. It's bad for us. It's bad for the NFL. It's bad for publicity. And the NFL's already got a publicity issue. Right. We do not need this but going no on. League. Let's just let, let's cut to the chase, get it taken care of. We don't want to drag this into, you know. Forever. You know, training camp and, and everything. Uh, you know, so it seems like it's going to get done. I'm sure the or NFL, should get done soon. I'm sure the NFL will will probably get it done because NFL is more of a uh, their their ownership is more kind of in in line there with the commissioner. And they'll be like, dude, look, 
All right, well, we got to take our last break. Last break of the show, and we'll be back with a short final segment. We'll uh, be right back on the Weekend Sports Buzz. You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. All right, we're back. Last segment of the Weekend Sports Buzz brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence. We're going to touch on just a couple of the local sports issues that we got going on. uh, Louisville's baseball team uh, bounced again from the College World Series, two games. We got the UofL fans in the studio putting up the choke signs. I still think it was great for our local baseball community to be able to have a team go. And not only that, but have two... Two, uh, well, actually, throw IU in there. Three schools that are really made a lot of big improvements in baseball. So, well, you know what? As a UofL fan, I will say this: I'm happy that they made it to the College World Series. That's a that's a big accomplishment. Three times in eight years. It's but unreal. you have to start winning games once you make it there. Yeah. It, to me, it's, it's, it seems like UofL gets to the College World Series, and it's like they're done. It's like we did it. We we made it here. That was our goal, and. We're done, and it's odd because that's not the mentality that they put out when when you when they talk. No, and you see them play. It's just the last two years they have looked terrible. They've looked terrible at Omaha. It's been their worst baseball it, of the year. Yeah, both times this year. I will say though, you know the, the teams that they did lose to are still two of the four teams left. But so maybe two, it was just a bad but, draw. It's not a bad draw. I mean, look. At, I mean, you walk. I mean, four runs. Uh, it, I know you. Terrible. You cannot walk four runs and win. Like if he didn't walk those four runs, Louisville wins the first game. I, I mean, think, and I on. think that's the issue. Is like it's such a big deal to win the first game in the College World Series that losing the first game, I think they got put on their heels, and they just in both times they've played terrible in the second game. So, uh, but Dan McDonald's done a great job. He's done a great job. The only thing I think that Louisville needs now is that they need somebody who can hit the long ball, who can be a, a home run threat. Isn't it kind of funny that college baseball, even with the aluminum bats, is not really a big home run? Yeah, but what, well, now they have the composite. Yeah, we went to the with the B core bats, where they everything's minus three. That yeah. the ball can only jump off at a certain speed. I mean, I you I need have, the wooden bat. Just and, go and real, and that's exactly, and that's where drafting hitters from high school, college to major leagues is so difficult because there's a lot of guys. That their hands are quick enough, they're strong enough to. But you get can draft seventy two guys, and that, that's true. But I'm just, just saying, you know, pitchers. If you take a kid out of high school that throws ninety five, regardless if he doesn't ever make it as a starter, you can put him in the bullpen. He's probably going to be serviceable in some way. But there's a lot of hitters that you take that they just don't develop. They don't get any stronger, um, and, and they can't swing a wooden bat. So it's it's tough to. To draft those guys, but you know, as far as you know, especially at a high school college baseball, it's getting a little bit better. But uh, I still just think that they need to put a bigger emphasis on weightlifting, fitness with baseball players. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, it's that not steroids. Obviously, enhanced a lot of people. You take that away and just do the same emphasis on getting stronger. Just take away the steroids. It's going to be a huge improvement, especially for baseball. Baseball will be players. horrible. Especially for baseball. Baseball players. is horrible without steroids. <laughs> I, I love steroids in baseball more than, 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 I mean, honestly, 
Steroids is the reason I got even involved watching baseball because I'm I'm not a big baseball fan. I'm not. I was upset. My stepdad took me to go see the Cubs play. I did not want to go was to Wrigley Field. Just because it was the Cubs. No, it, it was cold. I went to see the White Sox play, and it was cold again. It was boring. <laughs> I was like, if I'm gonna be in the cold, take me to see the Bears. I've never been bored at a baseball game, but but, but still, you need steroids. When you have steroids in baseball, it was much more fun. People hitting home runs. The pitchers could pitch faster and harder and longer. Bring back HGH. Speaking of which, uh, of speaking of baseball, we'll go to the Reds real quick to stay on the local stuff. Boo. Reds, uh, two games under five hundred right now. Scored eight runs in an inning. We're up eight nothing and lost and blew it. They lost fourteen to nine. That's talent, huh? That is talent. <laughs> that is really tough to do, especially when I'm telling you, that's talent. I mean, it takes talent to blow an eight. In baseball, it takes a talent. I mean, it was, it was it takes hard. talent to blow an eight run lead. So they. Uh, they they again are playing the Blue Jays right now. Two games behind five hundred and third place of the uh, of the National League Central. Then the uh, uh, we'll go on to the next one. Keeneland gets the <clears throat> Breeders' Cup in two thousand fifteen. Haven, you ever been to Keeneland? No, actually, I've been past Keeneland several hundred times. Yeah, <laughs> you never actually been there. I've I've never been to Keeneland. Thirty thousand people in Keeneland feels like it's one hundred sixty thousand yeah. in Churchill Downs. I think they're they're uh, maximum. Well, their uh, record attendance was like 40,000 right. people. That's and their record bringing, attendance. They're bringing temporary seats and all that other stuff. To, but you, can't you bring also enough. got one way in and one way out. Yeah, parking is going to be a bear. Parking parking's going to be a bear just getting in and out on Marcel's but, Road. But why yeah. would you go to Keeneland? Well, it's it's a I'm, great place to no, watch no, a no, race. No, 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 no. It's, it's it's a great place to watch a race. I, I understand that. It's beautiful. I mean, I've You're seen it. Like, there's something between Churchill there's something between Breeders' Cup and Churchill. Yeah, there's something between, this is a yeah. slap in the face. Well, of it is because it's Churchill, Churchill Downs wants a higher percentage of, of the, the purse, and you know the Breeders' Cup. You know, they're, I mean, they're sticking it in their face. They're basically yeah, but, saying, but if you you're can't not make, going to yeah. give up some of the percentage, then we'll just go right down the road. But, well, the, but there's the the no way is, that Keeneland can make as much money as Churchill Downs can. And I've been to a Breeders' Cup at a, a, a good size track, Gulfstream. No one can handle the crowd like Churchill Downs can, as far as just getting through a betting window and all right. that other stuff. And even with technology nowadays, it makes it a little bit better. The problem is, is that the the Breeders' Cup tells these tracks that they'll guarantee you the revenue of a normal Saturday in the fall. Well, you can make a lot more money if you're the Breeders' Cup at Churchill Downs right. than it, you can at Keeneland. Anywhere else in the country. And so you should pay Churchill Downs more. I, I agree. I think this is something that's going to – in all honesty, it's going to backfire for them, but they'll spin it. Well, they're it, putting it, it out really well. But not only are they going to Keeneland, they're also going to Del Mar right after that. Mm-hmm. And Del Mar is another small track with one way in and one way out. Beautiful track. I got to go there last year. But uh, so two gorgeous tracks, but it's, it's not the setup is just not right. I mean, I mean the, the parking in Del Mar is going to be atrocious. And then you've got to put people in hotels, you know, in San Diego, which is like 45 minutes away. Yeah. And it, it says. Churchill Downs, and, and I understand. I understand that Bruce Cubs wants to keep more money for themselves. I understand Churchill Downs wants to get more money for themselves. But Churchill Downs is what Churchill Downs is. It is the best racetrack in the entire world, period, bar none. It may not be the best looking because God knows I think it's ugly. But it's yeah. still the, it's it, 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 for, for what like it does. Yeah, for what it, it is the best racetrack. Churchill's taken a big PR hit in the last couple of years too just versus the other – Two big tracks, um, 
just the accommodations haven't been there and, and people don't feel near as welcome as from an owner standpoint, from a trainer standpoint, they've taken a big hit. So maybe that has a lot to do with it. Who knows? But it, it'd be nice to, to get it back. I mean, I wish they would make the Breeders' Cup permanent at Churchill Downs. Yeah, I don't think it's happens. We're just no. too cold. Yeah, it's never going to happen, but that's where they make all the money. I mean, all the, the top, you know, Churchill Downs holds every record for Just have it go attendance. back and forth between Santa Anita and Churchill Downs. Dude, and be done with it. Be done with it. I mean, that's what needs to happen, right? Uh, a couple quick notes before we leave. we got to mention rest in peace to Tony Gwynn. Uh, Really sad. One of the guys that I just really enjoyed watching. Yeah. You talked as a hitter in baseball. There was no one better. No. Um, there wasn't, and he was everything that you hear. He, such a, a tremendous person as well. I mean, you, you just don't find superstar players um, that you can't find one bad thing about. No, the him and Cal Ripken kind of transcended that area mm -hmm. from that and from that standpoint. All right, real quick. Rest in peace, DJ Easy Rock. I don't even know who DJ Easy Rock is. He's, he's rocking Rob Bass. It takes two Oh, Rob Bass? Yeah, jeez. Oh, Rob Bass DJ. All right, enjoy watching the NBA draft this week. We'll be back next week here on the Weekend Sports Bus. <laughs>